Welcome back. This is part two of our There's a First Time for Everything podcast featuring Lorraine Clausen. If you didn't listen to part one, I would highly recommend you back up one episode, listen to that before you carry on here. Otherwise, we invite you back into the conversation, continuing where we left off last week. Hope you enjoy it. This idea of touch, touch is a huge override to our um, fear sensors, like to our amygdala, to this like firing. I tell people, put some lotion in your purse, put some lotion in your back pocket, whatever, put some on your hands and rub your hands together. Take too much lotion and <laughs> rub it on your arms and this feeling of like touch and pressure um, can be another override to this anxiety piece. Um, when you're doing this with other people, obviously you need their permission if they want touch or not, you know, but, um, you just yourself, picture Nicole accosting yeah. someone with <laughs> yeah, lotion. She's, she's got her yeah, lotion in ready. Six feet away. But, but this is the, this idea, like, you know, when you guys had your babies, um, when you pick up your baby and you like soothe them when they're crying and you rub their back and you hug them, inevitably their internal alarm winds down, right? Over Just time. Kind of handling it like as, like I said, I've got a couple of kids with autism and for one in particular, like it's that sensory overload. And so when when he was experiencing that you know we would be hands on his knees just massaging his legs or putting a blanket tight around him like it's that same sort of yeah fighting your sensory overload that happens with anxiety yeah mm -hmm. and and the more messages you can send from your body back to your brain your brain will be uh in the position of having to ask itself the question did i get that message wrong did i get the wrong You're, message wow. and if i got the message wrong then maybe i can get a different message right because our brains are like constantly taking in data from the world, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the ways it takes in data is from our body. Is, is that why there's just a general sense of exhaustion, at least it appears to be that because the amount of, right? Am I, like yeah. the, the amount of data we are having to take in yeah. is just, and I think yeah. maybe that, that could be true if I could move it outside of COVID realities into if we're moving in our faith, if we're moving in our yeah. relationships, if we're moving, like it can be an exhausting thing. Yeah. And I just, I love that reminder from you that it's just like our brains are always working. Yeah. And right now it's almost like, I don't know who has a choice to not have that be happening right now. Like, yeah, well, I'm for serious. I've had some like low grade rage at people who are at home and they're posting, Oh, I'm feeling stressed. I'm going to walk by a lake and I'm going to go on a trail and I'm at work and I have nowhere to be. I'm, I'm in my chair doing my job. I can't run away and I can't escape and I can't, you know, go commune with nature. That doesn't happen for me as much as I would love to do that. And so this I'm finding super helpful because I mean, like I said, I'm swearing more than normal. Like it's in the shop. Like we're all like, and trying to find humor and be present for each other and all of that. But it is, I think it's how we're coping with our own anxiety and our, and our frustration and disappointments or guilt. 
Like we as non-essential workers are grateful to have jobs yet feel guilty for being at work. And so mm -hmm. I think that this is really, really helpful in understanding that the way your brain receives messages and how you can turn that tide because it certainly does feel helpless in the moment. Like mm -hmm. when your brain is telling you that this is for real and now is time to meet Jesus because you're not running from the bear. It's nice to <laughs> be able to have that, that tool of saying, okay, like, you know, be present with your body and, and take inventory of where you are at physically. Yeah, for sure. And the other piece too, I think that when we, we can only do this for ourselves, like what, and when we do this for ourselves from there, we have opportunity to help other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can't help others, our kids, our friends, our partners do this if we're not first doing it for ourselves, right? Because there's this idea of like mirror neurons, like we're constantly, this is part of the data, right? That you were talking about Karina, um, that we are getting data because everyone is feeling this, right? And so what, whoever we're with is also having these messages of, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. And mm -hmm. when we're together with other people who have this message, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, our brain goes, should I not be okay? Maybe I shouldn't be okay, right? Like it's constantly picking up information. Yeah. So our best bet is to, when we wanna help co-regulate, <laughs> is to first regulate us. For sure, it's like that, uh, the mask dropping in the airplane, right? You've yeah, got to put right. it on first. Yeah. And I think that runs really, I don't know if that's just tends to be a narrative that I hear often, like in myself and in other women, I hear, I don't have time to take care of my emotions mm -hmm. right now. I have to take care. I have to put out all the other fires. But, um, and maybe this is just the fact that like, I still see a counselor regularly and I've done a lot of it. I've just... I, I don't, I see where that got me tripped up over and over again of like, I'll be the strong one so everybody else can fall apart. But really you end up just with less and less and less. It's actually easier to go, if I allow myself to experience whatever I'm experiencing, I can actually like make sense of it and move through it. Not that it makes sense of it like, oh, now it's not happening for me, but it's not this big, ah, scary thing. And now I can be there for my kids. And instead of, cause I don't, I don't know what I'm, I'm just saying I, that, that the idea of taking care of your own self, what I found it's given me is room for accepting different experiences other than mine. So Nicole, I don't need you to um, minimize your frustration for my benefit right now because i can just go i believe you wow like that would be so frustrating when you're stuck at work to see people tra la la through the woodside and like i don't know why everybody isn't doing this oh my gosh and like instead of me going well like well, i don't know like i deal with myself and now i can accept whatever is going on without having to fix it because you are the only one that can fix what's going on in you. I'm the only one that can fix what's going on in me. But that oxygen mask thing, there's such a narrative around the, the most worn out, burnt out, self-ignoring person wins. I don't know what we're winning. I guess we get eaten by the bear first. Like, yeah. I, 
Lorraine, do you have any other words of wisdom or tips for caregivers? Like that is, that is your life. Like you're hearing other people's stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And how do you then find your place of stability and find peace in the middle of all of this? And what could you say further to those of us who are also caregiving in this time and trying to be kind to ourselves and to others? That's a good question. Um, I'm full of really easy questions. Yeah, yeah. That's just you know, that's why we have the easy ones. <laughs> well, you're doing awesome. I think that part of part of it has to be exactly what we've been talking about, and I think that it's good to talk about this as an idea. And I think it's really difficult to put this into practice sometimes, right? Um, but we need we want to be able to make space for our own experience just like you were saying Karina that so that we can make space for other people's experience um there's this idea in like you know I'm training therapists I talk to them a lot about like we can only help people go into these things as deeply and as far as we're willing to go into our own stuff mm. right and so our capacity to help other people our capacity to like be with other people's pain is almost always directly connected to our capacity of being with our own pain, of being with our own sadness, with our own um, disappointment. And you're right, exactly what you were saying, that when we do that, then we have to give, we give less attention to taking care of these like unresolved stuff for us. And we have more room to be present with those who we care about. And this idea of just withing, and I love what you said earlier, Nicole, around like, um, like just being with your kids in the way that they need you to be with them and it's not the same for everybody but this this uh like ministry of presence right to be with them in whatever way they need you to be with them um to be uh observant and curious about like what is it that they need maybe it's asking them if they have enough you know access to their prefrontal cortex they might be able to tell you but if they don't, at least the ministry of being with them, of allowing them to have their pain, of not trying to fix it, not trying to take it away, not trying to like make it go away so that you feel better, <laughs> but to say you get to have whatever experience about this that you want and that you need and that um, the full range of emotions are allowed to be here, right? That your emotions are showing up for a reason. They want to tell you something. They're alerting you to a need. They're not going to last forever. It's okay for this to feel hard. Um, it's okay for emotions to visit. You get to respond to emotions however you want and to validate and validate and validate emotions. And what happens is that when we feel heard and understood and seen, then our, our brains, our bodies can do sort of a, an exhale and be like, right, yeah, this is hard. This is a loss. This is sadness. Of course, I'm mad. Of course, I'm disappointed. That's normal. That's human. Um, and when we get to process it fully, then our brain takes that data and it goes, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then it puts it away somewhere. When we deny experience, when we try to fix it, when we try to rush it, our brain doesn't get the full process. It doesn't get to do the full process. And then we um, abort the system too soon and then it's just going to keep coming back and keep coming back because our brain's going to go I don't know what to do with this feeling I don't know what to do with this idea I don't know what to do with this loss it's going to keep 
bringing it back to mind and bringing it back to mind and bringing it back to mind over and over and over again until we feel it, until we sit in it, until we name it and validate it and, and give it permission to exist. And that's so true. And we go back to, you know, what we talk about here on the show all the time is, is reexamining our theology and why we get tripped up by the same things over and over again. And how do we dismantle those things and build something that is safe and serves us and connects us more authentically to Jesus. And I think that that's, you know, what I've seen come out over and over again. We mentioned this earlier is that these pressure cookers bring us back to those theology things that we still need to keep dealing with. And I think that, you know, my avoidance issues with like, okay, out of sight, out of mind. That's when this comes back up again. I'm like, okay, I didn't actually deal with it. I just put it in the back of the closet and now it's creeping forward again. And so I just hope that, we all can be kind to ourselves because it doesn't mean that we're a bad Christian or a bad parent or a bad human when we have these recurrences and these resurgings, but that it is a sign of our growth and it is our sign of our own awareness. And, you know, far too often, you know, since we've started doing these podcasts, I receive private messages from people. Unfortunately, some of them are so hard on themselves because they believed untrue things for so long and harmful things for so long that they think that that now means that somehow God's angry at them for that. And that's still a piece of that bad theology. Right. And so as we're talking about living through this pandemic and living in a regular life and, and still starting out our faith in the midst of this, I just hope that for listeners that you've heard Lorraine's words over and over about being kind and being compassionate and being present with yourself and, and, honoring your humanity because that's such an important piece of healing and growing Mm -hmm. is like go easy don't say something to yourself that you wouldn't say to your kid like Mm -hmm. we are mean to ourselves sometimes and it's not necessary and it's not what god asks of us or wants from us Mm -hmm. we're meant to live a grace-filled existence for ourselves i'm reminded um you, you mentioned the, the mirroring thing. And, you know, we, we talk often too about getting ourselves to realize that we have a, a, a mirror or not a mirror, a, a lens that we are viewing scripture through. And we've been taught a way to, to read scripture. And I, it sort of has completely changed so many narratives in scripture for me. I think in many places where we've seen it as a judgment or condemnation that Jesus is bringing i think more often than not we can read it through a filter of mirroring so when jesus is at the grave of lazarus he's lazarus and he's already prophesied he knows what's going to happen what does he do he grieves he joins the collective grief as if to give us permission even when we know in our heads everything's going to be fine be a human, embody that spirit experience, or like the story of Mary and Martha that is so made women feel shame for doing things instead of being Zen with Jesus. Like when he says to Martha, like you're worried about so many things, we could read that as a condemnation, or we could say that Jesus is so in the moment and he's just seeing, he's like, oh, you're so worried right now. 
Yeah. That's what's real for you. Or the Samaritan woman. Oh my word. You have had five husbands. Like, what is that? You've been so discarded. And I think I would invite us when we're looking, because sometimes we feel like, um, like in your bio, it says we don't have to choose between therapy and theology, but we do need to examine the lenses that we're looking through that with. And I think what we will find if we allow ourselves to have a lens of humanity isn't the problem Jesus came to have us overcome. It was, Mm -hmm. I think, to fully embody humanity and be able to have those questions. What's my true self? Is it the shame or is it the true self that says, it's been hard, go for a walk. It's been hard, lay on the couch, like whatever that might be. I'm inviting us to to go to a therapeutic model of Jesus where he is always in the present, always meeting us where we are. And we'll see him mirroring over and over again. It gives us permission to do the same with ourselves and with other people. This isn't a conflict. Seeing a therapist in some ways is a way of reconnecting with the humanity Jesus came to show us. You know, and, and so I just want to invite our listeners to f- see how many places you find it where we've been taught shame and condemnation. I think if you put it in a therapeutic lens, you will find we've got a Jesus who's so present, so compassionate. And look how that releases us to change, to believe for things, to become things that we thought were maybe impossible. So mm-hmm. good. That's so good. Oh, I love that. Um, I'm wondering, do you have any final questions, Nicole, for where you want to? I have a lot of questions. We could be here forever. I really have appreciated having you here, Lorraine, and I would love to have you back to talk on other topics. And um, there's a lot of material you have to work with here with yep. me. <laughs> with, with all of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I appreciate your wisdom and your gentleness and um, just the real practical ways of understanding how our brain and bodies work together. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so I really appreciate you jumping in with both feet all of a sudden. <laughs> Honestly, okay. listeners, we talked about this last night. I messaged Karina. I'm like, yeah, I think I've got it in me. I'm functioning at about uh, 30% capacity right now. But I'm like, yeah, let's let's do something. And she's like, well, I know this gal. And suddenly <laughs> I'm here and I'm so glad. So glad. Yeah. yeah. Lorraine, do you have any, I, I know I'm going to ask you to wrap it up like we discussed in a moment here, but are there any other things that we touched on that you maybe, you know, want to ground for us or like, like that? Um, not, nothing really. I mean, I just like this conversation has been so lovely. I um, have really appreciated, especially these last few minutes, what you were talking about Karina around like being able to be, to see like the humanity as not being the enemy. I think that that's just so, um, yeah, so important. Um because we like our brains, this like alarm system, all of these things were created on purpose. You know, they're not flaws in the system. Yeah. Your emotion is not a flaw. Your, your, your reaction in the grocery store is not a flaw. It's meant to keep you safe. It's meant to, we want those things to, we want your amygdala to fire if you're actually, if there's actually a bear. Like you want that to happen. This is not a default, like a defect in you. It's mm-hmm. just, it just shows up sometimes in these less helpful ways. And so what can we do about them when they show up? Right. 
how can we respond to them without judgment and shame? Yeah, that's good. So I'm, um, we're excited to put this podcast out in the world and for people to share it and, and start conversations around it. I'm wondering, Lorraine, where, um, like, where can people, like you're located in the Fraser Valley here in mm -hmm. BC in Canada, but I'm curious um, for local people, where can they, where can they find you if they're just like, you know what, I want somebody to, I've got some, some things that I want someone just to be like a presence with me as I walk through this. Um, or at least that's how I would describe my, you're not my therapist, but yeah. I, I've worked with, with therapists that have similar training to yours. And it's just been such to not go alone in this. And I, um, so where could people contact you or um, maybe right now it's really easy for you to see people from anywhere. I, I don't know if that's a possibility. So if you could let us give us your handle, give us your contact sure. information or whatever is appropriate so that people can find you or what they could look for if they're like, doesn't work with you, but who might they look to accessing? Yeah, great question. So um, people who are interested in getting in contact with me can find me on my website. So LorraineClausenTherapy.com, Lorraine with one R, just to make it confusing. Um, and if you're interested in following me on Instagram, um, I'm at permission to be human, which is kind of funny based on our conversation. I didn't today. even know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so either of those places, or you can look me up on Facebook or anything like that. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to chat with people. Uh, if I'm not a good fit for them, that's totally okay. Not every therapist is the right fit for every person, but I'd be happy to, to direct them to people that I trust. You know, if it's not me, that's, that's totally fine. Um, one of my keys in terms of like when people are asking for therapists, um, one of the things to look for is people who, who treat things holistically, who are interested in including the body um, and who are experiential. So not just like, let's think our way through this differently. That's a really like strong statement. I don't mean that to be quite so judgy, but you know, to be more like um, people who are interested in having therapists who, who can help work through things experientially, not just thoughts. Because like we said before, our alarm system is not interested in thoughts. It's not interested in logic and reasoning. It's interested in what the messages are, that are happening in our body. So those would be the things that I'd be looking for. Um, and like I said, I'd be happy to like refer and send people. Fantastic. We will have um, like your, it, when we get this all posted, we will include contact information that you've shared here as well mm -hmm. so that people know how to spell Lorraine with one R and I that know, it's right? Clausen <laughs> with one A and two S's. And yes, I know. Just to make it two A's and right? two S's and not, you know, it's just, there's so <laughs> many, these lovely common names that can be spelled so many ways. Yeah. So, um, I know I've, I've been in some courses that you've facilitated before and you have this wonderful gift of, you know, these, I don't know, I, well, I'll let you call it what kind of experience you want, but I thought I would invite, ask you to close out this session for us. And I think we will, this is, this is Nicole and Karina saying goodbye and we're going <laughs> to leave you with Lorraine's going to bring us into uh, some kind of, full experience here that maybe we would want to return to or that will just I just a, a compassionate end to this mm -hmm. um episode so thank you for listening thank you for sharing it mm -hmm. with your friends and your family and 
thanks Lorraine for closing it out and for being with us today. I just know it's going to be so valuable. So bless you and everything that you're doing and be safe, be kind and be compassionate to one another. Mm -hmm. Take it away, Lorraine. Love that. All right. So I'll just start off by saying that this is completely uh, a practice that'll belong to you, to you personally, whoever's listening, you can do what I'm asking you to do or not. You have so much choice and so much freedom, but this isn't a should, this isn't uh, a requirement that it look particularly one way, but this more than anything is just an invitation to checking in with what's happening internally. All right, so I'll invite you if that feels good for you to find a comfortable seat, um, stretch, adjust, do whatever it is that you need to do. Um, you might want to close your eyes if that fits for you. If you'd rather not close your eyes, but just have a gentle gaze, maybe pick a, pick a spot kind of down in front of you that you can gently let your eyes soften towards. And in this moment, I invite you to simply notice your breath. To not have it change or be different. To not make any demands on what it should be like or shouldn't be like in this moment. To simply notice the full cycle of your breath from the moment where your lungs begin to call for oxygen until that point where they're filled and your brain gets the message that it's time to exhale and then the, at the leaving of your breath maybe you'll notice the sound that your breath makes an invitation to change the sound of your breath if you want to Maybe your exhale wants to be loud and long in this moment. Maybe it wants to be short and quiet. Whatever it is that you need in this moment, allowing it to be just that. And as you're breathing, I wonder if you might take a moment to check in with your body. This might feel really comfortable and familiar for you and it might feel really brand new. And it's okay if it feels uncomfortable or unsure. You get to do this as much or as little as you like in this moment. And if it fits for you, I wonder if there might be a spot that you notice that's calling for a bit of attention. It might be on your heart, might be on your belly, might be on your shoulders or your head or some other place entirely. And if it feels okay for you, I, I invite you to put your hands on that spot in this moment.
And if you've decided to put your hands on your body, I wonder if you can simply notice what happens when you put your hands and connect them to this spot in your body. To notice if you get any new information. And maybe as you put your hands in this spot, you might get a rush of sensation or feeling. Just a reminder that feelings and emotions are not your enemy here and that you can stop whenever you need to. But invitation to ask this part of you a question. What is it that you need in this moment? What is it that this part of you wants to tell you in this moment in time? And maybe the answer to that comes rushing in with complete clarity. And maybe the answer to that question is really, really hard to know. Whatever your experience of this moment in time, can that be okay? And we'll stay here in this part of you for just a few more seconds. You can stop at any time or in my count, five, four, three, two, and one. An invitation to come back to your breath, to come back to the steady rhythm of your breath that is with you wherever you go whenever wherever you go if you go to the grocery store or you're with your kids or you're trying to do work or you're having a moment where all you can do is lay on the couch that your breath is always with you and is always a place that you can return to a place that you can come back to that has this like consistency and solidness to it it's a place to return to so that's my invitation to you that in these moments of uncertainty in these moments of chaos in these moments of anxiety an invitation to return back to breath to return back to a simple question that might have a really complicated answer what is it that i need in this moment